issue of what it means to pursue spiritual freedom. What does that look like? Uh, we, we spent a lot of time in the beginning talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, and what it represented to those of us who are seeking a divine way of to live a life that is, I should apologize here at some of my allergies, um, if the first to know that this is the case, you, you would, you, uh, that is actually fairly easy to do. Um, you can have a kind of religious life that isn't seeking the ways of God, seeking the presence of God. It's much, uh, it's much more easy to do that because there's so many elements of that that happen in the flesh. Um, let me give you an example. Um, I can go to church, and I've done this more than I would care to admit, and not really be cued in mentally to what God's doing. Um, I don't say that to make it okay. I say it to acknowledge that more than I would like to admit, I catch myself even in the church service, and I'm thinking about other things. I'm not really passionately pursuing the presence of God in that moment. I'm not present in that moment. Now, I'm being a good church member. I'm uh, being a dutiful um, Christian by the standards of religious culture. Uh, church attendance is very valuable. It's a tool. It's an aid. Uh, presenting ourselves to be connected with the body of Christ is very, very valuable. And I, I want to plead with all of you uh, to value it, to make an effort to be a part of that life, spiritual life of the church. But let's, let's be honest, you can be a part of that and it be in the flesh. Now we're doing everything we can as a church to elevate your mindset into the realm of the spirit. That's what the worship service is for. It's the acknowledgement that you can just be here distracted, bored, and not be elevated into the realm of the spirit. Uh, that is why we worship. Uh, we pray together. That, that's the whole point is to gather ourselves for the giving of the word and then having, here's the key, received the word, responding to the word in faith. Now that's why we have a prayer at the end of our service. It's very rare for us not, not to have prayer of some type at the end of our services. Why? Because that the whole staging, the whole sequencing of the service is not accidental. It's very intentional. The worship is to gather us, to gather our minds, and hopefully be elevated out of that uh, limitations of a carnal view. And then having been elevated by worship and prayer and, and gathering together in inspirational uh, praise, uh, we receive the word which should produce faith within us. And having faith, we uh, seek the active request of God. We pray for the specific answer uh, to our need. We join together in communal gathering of faith. Why? Just because we don't know anything else to do? No. When we join our faith together, there's a compounding effect. Um, one will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. This idea of a compounding. Uh, uh, this is all an acknowledgement of sorts that we can gather together, we can sing and, and fail to be spiritual. So it is in our lives. Um, we can be, you know, a religious person and not daily 
sit in the presence of God and ask him what he would have us to do, to be, to repent for, to strive for. Um, that's the challenge. I want, I don't want to just, you know, struggle along. I want to live in abundance of life. I want, Christ did not go through everything he went through for me to just, you know, stagger along, barely making it. I need to be made whole. I need my past to be dealt with. I need the coping mechanisms, the dysfunctional coping mechanisms that I have learned. <laughs> and we've all had, we all have a few um, that really are a prison of their own uh, type um, and a compounding of our problems because it's a dysfunctional coping. Um, uh, wounds in our past, we, we should have moved on. But you know you have it because it still hurts. You still have those stress dreams that wake you up in the night. You still get with people, even at the holidays, who remind you of that past and it, it breaks you in a way. Um, this is not the will of God for any of us. There is a better way for us to live. There is a, a victorious a potential for every one of us. And so we've spent weeks talking about how the Lord, excuse me, the Lord would produce freedom, real freedom, real wholeness in us. And uh, we've looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil versus the tree of life. We've looked at the very specific language of how uh, Adam and Eve were deceived by Lucifer, not enslaved by Lucifer. Lucifer doesn't enslave you. He deceives you and you enslave yourself, usually to sins, but occasionally, um, if circumstances are right, you can surrender rather than to God. You can surrender your will to evil. And then you, you, you enter into a spiritual realm where uh, you start seeing images like in the scripture where a demon has a type of control uh, and must be cast out. Um, in a Christian society like America, where we are, you, you see a lot less demon possession uh, because we, we oftentimes fail to realize um, even, even the people who are unchurched still have been formed in a cauldron of Judeo-Christian um, insight, worldview, ethics, and the like. And so that's why if you go overseas, you will see much more in non-Judeo-Christian cultures, you will see much more issues of uh, spiritual possession um, in that type of a physical thing because it's a, it is a partnership. It's not just an authority over you. Uh, you can solve Satan's power by resisting. Um, it's much harder to handle the flesh. You guys know this. Um, however, someone could submit um, in the right context. And so we want to be free from all of that. We want to live a life of victory and hope. And we talked about how uh, that language of Lucifer deceiving them uh, led them to join uh, the less decide for ourselves team. <laughs> um, maybe not the best way to say it. Let me say it this way. You're not, it's not that good and evil is wrong. It's that there is something that happens, the knowledge of good and evil, where having decided 
that we know best, we then sit in judgment of everyone else, which causes this knock-on effects. Um, we become very judgmental. Um, we speak judgment uh, on everything. Things we know very little about, we'll still have an opinion. We even judge God. We had some people a few weeks back that didn't like something that happened in the church, and they and they walked out. I think it was the Sunday where I was talking about Israel and prophecy, and they thought that I was being too sympathetic to Israel. And they told one of our pastors, they said, I would rather not serve a God than serve a God who supported Israel. Well, that's, that's hard to hear because, you know, I, I would be afraid of a God who didn't occasionally disagree with me. <laughs> If your God never disagrees with you, then he's just a projection of your imagination. He's not God. Um, the Lord is the Lord is in a covenant relationship with the house of Israel. So I, I, I don't want to offend anyone, but I can't really apologize for emphasizing, if you know what I'm saying, um, emphasizing that uh, covenant relationship. Well, they they said, and this is the thing, I would I would rather not serve a God like that. That's us sitting in judgment of God. This is all the effects of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We live cynical lives. We live competitive lives. We live critical lives. All of that is the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the tree of life, it requires an almost a type of a childlike innocence where I refuse to place myself in the role of the judge of others or of God. I will not judge them. I'm not saying I will be a victim. I'm not saying I will not manage who my kids are with. Uh, that is a stewardship issue. That is not a, uh, how shall we say, statement of, uh, here's a $5 word, soteriology. I'm deciding who's saved or who's not saved. That's that's not that. Um, and so my point is this. There is this faith-based innocence that is available. This faith, childlike expectancy, speaking faith, speaking hope, this joyous belief that your father's going to take care of you. It's a better way to live. And here's the interesting thing. There's a lot of churches who, that's the opposite of how that feels. The whole church feels like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, well, that one's no good, and that person's no good, and that person's no good. And that's like the culture. Um, rather than that childlike innocence, yes, God can. Yes, God will. So that change of heart, letting God be God, taking ourselves out of the role of uh, revenge, out of the role of hate, out of the role of judgment and forgiving the people who have harmed us, not for them. They may or may not ever apologize. You do it for you. This is all part of freedom. This is the themes that the Bible teaches us. Um, the healing that you have lived through, that which you have faced, uh, it's the will of God that this is real emotional deliverance. This is not like a type of uh, denying the obvious while you look at the pain and say, you know, you, I'm, I'm, that doesn't bother me. And really you, you cry all night long. Now, that's not what we're doing. We want to transcend it. In other words, in the flesh, all we can do is cope with our broken past. That's all we can do in the flesh is cope. But God's solution isn't a coping solution. 
God's solution is a transcendent life. Now, I'm not saying there aren't trials that you do endure. There are trials that you do endure. There are times when the Lord says to you, my grace is sufficient. You guys know this. Some of you can say it. You can teach it. Um, There are times where you endure, having done all to stand what? Stand there for. There, there is seasons of that. But notice how you take it to God. And when God tells you, my grace is sufficient, you live out submission. But you didn't settle. You sought the transcendent healing. You sought to be made whole. By his stripes, we are healed. It may be that our Uh, Endurance is a testimony of its own type. God give us strength that when that happens, we deeply, deeply value the kingdom and purposes of God. Um, It may be, and some of you guys, uh, I don't mean to be mildly negative here, but some of you guys are living with this right now. You are are enduring things as a testimony. Um, His grace is sufficient. But as long as I have breath in my body, I am going to believe God for complete and total healing that you may be free, you may be whole. Your past, the person who hurt you, the person who wounded you, the abuse you endured, the fears you have lived with, with God's help, with spiritual surrender, with calling upon the name of the Lord, we put that behind us and we begin to live a life of freedom. We are free in Christ. He that the Son hath set free is free indeed. This is where I'd make you say amen. (laughs) And so having lived out this, this freedom, um, having experienced this, let, let, let me ask you to consider this question. Why has God done so great a work in us and for us? What is the point of freedom? That's what I want to deal with here for a little while. I want to read a passage. Let me give you a picture of the, the scripture here so you can follow me. This is verse number 20. I'm in 2 Timothy, and we are going to be uh, starting at verse number 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. Now, uh, okay, uh, let me pause for a moment here. I, I'm, I'm going to give you fair warning. I don't mean to be in any way gross, but he's talking about the useful things that are in a house. Even a great house has vessels that are not uh, for honor. Um, remember, this is before indoor plumbing. Everybody reading this would understand exactly what he means. We, with our, you know, our modern minds, we, we have to remind ourselves. He's talking about in the greatest house, in Caesar's household, they still have the necessity of all kinds of vessels. Now, <laughs> this is an image that doesn't pop up in your mind, but I promise you in this day, they, they, everyone knows exactly what he's talking about. There are vessels that you drink out of. There's vessels you, you do not drink out of. Um, I'll leave it at that. It doesn't matter how great or lowly 
there's different kinds of vessels. Um, those vessels have different uses, different practical functions. Paul is teaching them in the image of their own households. And now he will continue uh, with this, this uh, teaching, this um, metaphor. Uh, so here we are. There's also vessels of wood and clay. It, it's not all plated gold and silver. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter uh, dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Do you see? Flee also useful us and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Um, that's a great scripture to memorize. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes and quote it to yourself at least once a day. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not be must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Notice, they must know the truth. Remember, the enemy's successes is uh, in deception. The enemy doesn't have power. If this enemy succeeds against people of God, it's through deception. Grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Uh, so uh, the idea here is uh, vessels of honor and dishonor. Um, and this question uh, comes fairly to fairly to the fore. What kind of a life do you want to live? Now, I started this by asking this question. Why has God done this great work of freedom and made it available for us. If we are never healed, it doesn't matter because we'll always be stuck in the dysfunction of yesterday. If we never are um, able to forgive wrongs done against us, it won't matter. There'll be no risk of us living in our purpose. Um, God did not do this as a, a self-help program for you. Uh, God did not do this as... I think you get the idea what I'm trying to say. This isn't just about you f having, you know, emotional closure. Um, there is a purpose that is a kingdom purpose. And uh, this is the threefold purpose of why God has enabled freedom to be imparted to us. Number one, witness our lives are telling a story of the character of God. You see, it's like a parent saying to a child, no, that's not acceptable behavior. We don't do that in this house. You see, there's this length, this, 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 this type of insight. We, we don't, we, uh, you, you, there's people who act that way. There's people who talk that way, but we don't do that in this house. Um, so this idea of being a vessel unto honor is directly related to the witness we give. It is not, it is not, it is not. Please do not corrupt the gospel and call it the truth. It is not about earning salvation. It is very much about witnessing of the one whom we are living for is witnessing of his heart, his character. I seek to be a vessel of honor 
in his house. Uh, so the first purpose, uh, the first purpose for freedom is this, this witness. My life is a living evangel. It's not just what I say. It's not just what I tell other people to do. My life is a witness of my spiritual claim. And if my life does not reinforce my spiritual claim, the world in which I have been placed, that I am supposed to have influence in, why God put you where he put you, if your life does not testify of your spiritual claim, your spiritual claim will have no impact or very little impact in the world you were placed by God to influence and make a difference. Um, this is not primarily about uh, um, when we talk about vessels of honor and dishonor, it's not primarily about us judging other Christians who is the honor and who is the dishonor. That is that that spins you back into the Pharisee trap, where you decide who's good enough and you miss the gospel. Pharisees always miss the gospel because they're not really looking at God. They're looking at themselves and comparing themselves to others. That's why they miss the gospel. The, they're, 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 they're not appointed to be a judge. They're, they're, they're called, we'll talk more about it in a moment, uh, to be a witness, or to be a worshiper. We'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. But because they're not really a worshiper, in other words, folk, excuse me, <coughs> focusing on God, um, the result is they have to look at other people. And so the great image that Jesus gave us uh, in the scripture where the Pharisee says, God, I thank you I'm not like them. And I thank you I'm not like them. And I thank you I'm not like them. Um, he, he's not a worshiper. And so the Pharisee thinks because he is not the enforcement agent of righteousness, there is no righteousness. Where Jesus says, if the righteousness is not from your heart, your desire to please God, it is a self-deception. It was never righteous. It was never honorable unto God. And so that's the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount. When you pray, do not pray like the Pharisees. Sermon on the Mount is not between uh, insiders and outsiders. It's uh, about how not to serve God and how actually to serve God. And he's pointing to the Pharisees, don't do it like that. So the point is this, life of honor matters, but it cannot be a police action or you have no hope of understanding the gospel. And if you do not understand the gospel, you'll never really be a worshiper. You'll kind of be a worshiper, but you'll never be from the heart. You'll never be a true worshiper um, because you will always be engaged in a type of police action. Um, this, is, this is how to miss the gospel. The first point the first purpose of your threefold purpose, why God has done this work, moved mountains, crossed oceans, so to speak, to, to make you free, whole, renewed, is that you might be a vessel of honor um, in his hand. You might live out a desire 
to please him. You might live out the love you claim to feel and the love you claim to have been changed by. You will live it out. It will not just, this is again, back to James, not just words, show me your works. Um, He is not inviting everybody back to Pharisee culture. In fact, that's, read James, you'll, you'll see that clearly. His point is you live out love, not righteousness. There is none who is good. We are invoked to righteousness, but it's not a target we hit. It's a target we aim at. It, we seek it. It is a love response in our heart. And so we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Here's Paul, and this is Romans 12. Uh, dearly beloved, I ple- dearly, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let your bodies be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the way to worship him. <laughs> and so uh, the first of these... This, this, this missional purpose, what's on the other side of freedom, is to be, to live a life of honor before the Lord. We present our bodies. We work against the lust of the flesh. Then what do we do? We renew our minds. Again, uh, Romans chapter 12. Now we're going to read verse number two. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Be transformed into a new person by changing the way you think. So we worked against the lust of the flesh, our bodies. We present our bodies. This is where fasting comes in. The point of fasting is not to renew the mind. It is to combat the body. It is against the flesh. Um, renew your minds. We renew our minds through prayer, through speaking faith. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have the divine power. This is an IV translation, to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Do you see? So the first has to do with the flesh. Second has to do with the mind. And the third is the surrender of our will. We surrender our life to God. Um, This is, again, back to Romans chapter 12, verse number two, the, the second part. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. All right. So the first thing we've talked about is this idea of living as an honorable vessel in the kingdom of God, uh, seeking to bring the whole of us, uh, the body, the mind, and our will, to bring it under submission to God. The second um, uh, purpose is something that you uh, I've already mentioned, and that is worship. 
We are all of us called to be uh, worshipers. It is fundamental to the, our, our, our call. It's fundamental to our purpose. Uh, it is fundamental to why God has placed us uh, where we are. We are instructed, Psalms 149 and 6, let the praises of God be in your mouth and a sharp sword in your hand. Um, we, you see, you see where this is going here. Um, we are called Hebrews four verse sixteen to approach God's throne of grace with confidence. We are the worship of the kingdom. Uh, the, we are those who have received the promises of God. Angels desire to look in. And they cannot look in to this realm of faith. They do not choose to serve God. They, uh, well, let me say it this way. They don't have to choose faith because they see God as he is. And once you see God as he is, there's no need of faith. That's going to happen someday here on earth. And the Bible says on that day, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Now, why? Why is every knee going to bow? Because when you see with not, as he is... Um, it's in your interest to bow. You, you, everything's changed. Um, the angels desire to look into our lives um, of uh, grace, but they are not under the reign of faith. They see God as he is. Therefore, there isn't mercy for the angels. There's mercy for you and I. There's not mercy for the angels. When they rebelled, what happened? They fell like lightning from heaven. The best way for you to get to know God, the best way for you to perceive the beauty of the Lord is to begin to live a life of worship. Now, Ezekiel um, gives us an image of this um, in uh, his, his book, uh, chapter 47. He gives us an image of a river, and this river symbolizes the presence of God. And it is a progressive exposure to this river. First, he is ankle deep, this river that flows from out from under the threshold of the door of the house of God. Um, this is like a splashing um, level. It doesn't have much push or sway on you. There's not much risk of being swept away in ankle deep water. But then you get deeper. It's knee deep. Not only can you splash in it, but you can feel the push. And you think, man, if I lost my, my footing, uh, this could carry me away before I got back to my feet. But once you get to waist deep, now you, you are in many ways, um, uh, it's all you can do to keep your own sense of direction. Um, yeah, sure, you can splash, but yeah, yeah, come on now. That river is, you're getting, it's dangerous. Let's put it that way. And finally, waters to swim in. You have no control. The river, sure, you can you can swim, uh, but that river, you, you better hope that that water's not going, you understand what I'm saying. To be a true worshiper is to live out this type of a progressiveness where in the beginning of our lives, we, we in the beginning of our faith, I should say, there is a, a worship component that I, 
I'm afraid sometimes it grows less as we get jaded to things, but this is not the will of God. Worship should flow through us more and more and more. Just because you serve God, maybe your worship matures in some way, but it should not lessen. Um, You have to give God your affection. You have to set your eyes upon him. Second Chronicles 16 and 9, give God, uh, excuse me, this is uh, the idea of giving ourselves to God. Second Chronicles 16 and 9, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Uh, you need strength, make sure your heart is fully committed to the Lord because this is a very declarative statement. God's eyes searches the earth to find those who are fully committed to him. Um, A second point I'd like you to consider is make sure your commitment to worship is not conditional. Don't don't base it on whether or not uh, you're in the mood for it or whether or not God's recently done something impressive for you. A conditional approach is, is a weak approach. You'll only ever be as strong as your emotions if you allow that to happen. Rather than that, I, I would I would want I, I would want you and I want myself. Um, I think the the best solution for us is to live lives of worship, where it is what we do. It's not what we do when we feel like it. It's who we are, uh, not simply what we try to remember. To live a life of worship, the Scripture tells us to give thanks in every context, every situation, good times, bad times, joy, tears, in everything, give him thanks. So what are the purposes of freedom in your life? First of all, is your witness. Let your life be a life of honor. Are you struggling with uh, a besetting sin? Um, You probably are. Um, I don't think any of us could easily say, oh, I'm not. I think there would be a risk of us missing something there. Um, Most of us struggle with besetting sins. I'm not talking about some immoral transgression, although there's some of that among us too. Um, I'm talking about, you know, sin uh, literally means to miss the mark. Um, I mean, how much have you really prayed today? I mean, to miss the mark, that's that's a low standard for sin. So get out of the idea of that. You can go days without sin. Uh, no. Um, sin is to miss the mark. Um, can you not watch with me one hour, Jesus says? <laughs> and so we have, this is not a justification of sin. This is a realization that when we stand at judgment, we do not present our report card. Um, we have an alternate report card. We present Christ's righteousness, not ours. That's the only way we can be saved. The result of that is motivated by love, changed by mercy, aware of what Christ has done for us. We give ourselves back to him as an act of love. If you're besetting sin, if you've given up fighting against it, ask yourself if you love the Lord. And if you love him, keep fighting it. Do you have a, a sin that you, you think you have victory over it, then it comes back and you get tired and you just want to give up on it? Let me ask you this. Um, what did Jesus ask Peter? After Peter's, you know, he has an egg all over his face, he's embarrassed himself. The question is not, will you never do it again? The question is, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? If you love the Lord, try again, it's okay. There's an antidote to sin. Are you struggling with some 
lust of the flesh, some pride of life? The question is, do you love the Lord? If you love the Lord, keep trying. Get yourself up, dust yourself off, try again. Love says, I'm never going to quit trying. I'm always going to try. God loves you. Love him back. He's come a long way for you. Love him back. He's moved heaven and earth for you. Love him back. Do you see? If you love him, try again. Be a vessel of honor in his house. He'll help you. Your testimony will change your world. Secondly, be a worshiper. Let your focus be on Christ and His righteousness, not on who's doing what around you. God, I'm glad I'm not like that person. I wouldn't want to go to that. That church is not a real church. Oh, whatever. Just stop, for the love of God. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Compared to Him, I'm a sinner. I need your righteousness, oh God. Be a worshiper. Claim the goodness of God in your life. Let it make a difference more than anything else in your life to speak worship. And finally, here's the th third of the threefold cord of purpose of freedom in your life. God has a mission for you. So we have lives of honor, witness. We have a life of worship. And finally, we have your calling, your missional purpose. Um, you are unique. Um, my abilities allow me to do certain things. Um, you can do things I can't do. More, you have friends I don't have. Um, you are God's plan to influence them toward a life of faith. Don't give up on them if you think they're never coming to church. There's lots of works of God that's done that are not about the people we know in the church. How do we know this? Jesus tells the disciples who are with him 24 seven, Come on, somebody. 24-7, they're with him. And he says, I have sheep you know not of. So be open to God doing anything. You say, oh, they're never going to come to church. I'm not even going to try. Uh, I, think, I, think that's, I think that's probably a wrong approach. God might be working in the, their life in a way that you never saw. Uh, let the mission of God find a receptive vessel in you. I want God to use whatever I can do, whatever talents I have, whatever words I can speak, I want him to use me. This, my brothers and sisters, is the threefold cord of purpose in the life of the believer. You live a life that is a witness of your spiritual claim. You are motivated to try again, repent again, get yourself up, dust yourself off again. Why? Do you love them? Do you have good cause to love them? If that's, if, if you love them, that's enough. Get out of the who the church knows and they're embarrassed. Come on. Religious culture is going to kill you if you keep that up. Let me tell you a better culture than religious culture. Worship culture. <laughs> Focus on how great God is. Focus on how righteous he is. Let your life be an ongoing statement of praise and worship to him. And finally, embrace the mission and the purpose. Include God in your daily life. Live out your gifts and talents. They are not accidental. Connect with your friends. Connect with your family. It's not accidental that God has placed you with them. You have a spiritual purpose that you can live out. In Jesus' name we pray. Um, amen. 
Um, I want to just take a moment and uh, give you all an opportunity to to uh, ask uh, ask a question uh, in the chat room. I, I don't I don't see any specific questions at the moment. I'm going to give you a moment to do it. And while I'm giving you a moment to do that, I want to make you aware of a few things. First of all, the next two Sundays are on holidays, um, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And so our schedule is going to change rather than having two services at First Church. Uh, normally we have the 9, 15, and the 11. We're going to have one service at 11. It's going to be, it'll, it'll be a full house, uh, but because it's holiday, it'll be fine. And um, it, it's going to be a great, great day. Um, that's this coming Sunday, Christmas Eve, and New Year's Eve. Now, New Year's Eve at First Church, um, we're going to be taking communion together. It'll be one service at 11, but we're going to take communion together at the on the last day of the year before we go into the new year. Uh, so that is that is kind of an update on what's happening um, uh, there. Um, in terms of uh, the... Our, our, our Wednesday night format, we're going to go back to this Zoom format um, where we have uh, an interactive approach one with another and we can spend time uh, growing together and learning together. Um, and I don't I don't specifically see any any questions in this uh, in this context tonight. Um, that's OK. Let me uh, let's pray together and then I'll let you get back to your holiday plans and your your, your friends and your family. Uh, before we pray, let me just remind you that our schedule in Concord at the Concord campus um, that is uh, down at the end of Reuben Laker Road. Um, it is uh, the same. It will be at two o'clock um, on both uh, holiday Sundays. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your blessing. I thank you for your anointing. I I, I feel when I teach this kind of subjects, I, I feel a desire in my own heart to do so, so much better than I'm doing um, at living out uh, your honor and speaking out your worship and uh, embracing your purpose. Uh, help me, Lord, to use every ability, every talent, every gift I have. Help me to use it to promote your kingdom. Help me to encourage my brothers and sisters, oh God. When I'm at church, help me not just to, 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 to have a self-serve mentality, but help me to have a willingness to embrace uh, the outsider, to welcome the new person, to introduce myself to new friends and uh, new brothers and sisters in Christ. Lead us in effectiveness as believers. Let us make a difference in our our, our, our area. We have campuses both uh, Charlotte and in Concord. Help us to make a difference in the neighborhoods you've placed us in. In Jesus' name we pray. We need your help. We need your blessing. Work with us. In spite of our imperfections, your mercy has covered a multitude of our sins. We thank you today and we bless you. We glorify your name. Amen. God bless you all. Uh, we love you. Uh, have a great holiday season in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you'll help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, 
Come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.